Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be part of it New York This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports It just might be the Hey, here we are live Monday night. I know you all missed EJ and I last week. This is the Start Spreading the News podcast here on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. I am Dr. Paul Semendinger. And of course, Dr. EJ Fagan will be joining us. EJ and I have had very busy days today. We've been going nonstop for hours and hours Uh, I teach a class at Ramapo College in Mawa, New Jersey. So I rushed up to my class, um, did an exceptional job teaching, as always, and then rushed home. And then I just had an hour and a half podcast, a live debate for the New England and Vermont chapters of Sabre, the Society of Baseball Research. I went up against the great Clayton Truder, who is a great author and a great human being. Bruce McClure hosted the debate. We had all sorts of people from across the country, as far away as uh, Vancouver, British Columbia joining in. And we were talking about the case for Thurman Munson to be a hall of famer or not. I argued in the affirmative Clayton argued in opposition to that. The people who were in attendance got to ask lots of questions. I'm hoping to get a copy of the video of that great debate, and we'll put it on Start Spreading the News. Um, As soon as I get it, it would come on within a couple of days, of course. We usually schedule our articles a couple of days in advance. That's how we can stay consistent for the most part with articles every single day at 6 a.m., 10 a.m., and 2 p.m. That will be our schedule on startspreadingthenews.blog all winter long. So it was a great debate. Um, I think Clayton probably won the debate. And Thurman Munson's a borderline Hall of Famer. I think he belongs in. His big point was that the Yankees have a whole host of players who are also deserving. Greg Nettles, Willie Randolph, Tommy John, Don Mattingly, Roger Maris, Elston Howard. A host of really excellent, excellent ball players who all have very strong Hall of Fame cases. And Clayton's big point was, yeah, Munson's great. And he could go in the Hall of Fame, but I think those players are closer than he is. And so why would we put him in over those other Yankees? Also, Munson had a short career, et cetera. We all know what Thurman Munson was. My point was that he ranks with and among the greatest catchers of all time, even with the shortest career. He played only really nine full seasons, two truncated season. He played, played 11 seasons and nine of those seasons. He had MVP votes. He won the MVP. 
it was Munson who coming to the Yankees in 1970 that coincides with the Yankees becoming a better team. They finished in second place his first year. He was a gamer. He was the captain. They went to three world series in a row, winning two of them in 77 and 78. Um, and you hold, you can't hold his lifetime numbers against him because he died. And people talk about the character clause and they say, you know, this guy deserves to go in because he has good character but it's usually used in the negative. Like he doesn't go in because he didn't have good character. People are using that against Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Kurt Schilling and Pete Rose for all sorts of different reasons. But I made the point, which no one else has made. The only person ever to make this point, I believe, is me, that Thurman Munson had great character. He died because... He was in a plane crash. But why was Thurman Munson in a plane crash? Why did he have a plane in the first place? Because he was a family man. And unlike players who want to be on the road and away from their wives and families for whatever reasons, Thurman just wanted to be with his family. So he got an airplane. And he, you know, he bought a jet then after that. And it was too much of a plane. He couldn't handle it. Uh, Marty Appel wrote an excellent book on Thurman Munson in, right around 1980 or so. And then he updated it probably about 10 years ago. Both of those Thurman Munson books by Marty Appel are fascinating and they're outstanding books. The newer one gets a lot more into depth into Thurman's family life and his home life before he was a great baseball player and the crash and the airplane that he used and how it was too strong of an airplane for him. But the point is that Thurman Munson died. Because Thurman Munson was trying to make the best possible way that he could get out of Yankees Stadium after games, especially with the day off, and be with his family. I mean, that's noble. But it was a great debate, and it was a whole lot of fun. And we're going to hope to do other debates like this. Not always about Yankees, either. Uh, the idea of Bill Freehan, another great catcher, probably, possibly the greatest catcher of the, of the 60s. Definitely one of the best catchers in the 60s. We may do a debate about Bill Freehand. I think Thurman Munson was a better player than Bill Freehand. I think the numbers bear that out. But that will be sometime on Sabre, probably in a few months if we decide to do it again. Might be a different player. But ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce my compadre. I think that's what uh, compañeros, some John Sterling calls his partners or whatever. So EJ, welcome. How are you? Doing wonderful, Paul. How are you? So EJ just rushed to this podcast. <laughs> he was at a fancy dinner, and he rushed here just to just to be here. So I'm all dressed up for that fancy dinner right here. Yeah. So, so I, I I left my class, got home, did this debate about Thurman Munson for an hour and a half, and uh, then got on this podcast. So it's you and I are sort of similar in that regard. So I missed you last week. We were on a cruise. Um, we weren't. I was with my wife, and and obviously we didn't have a show. So it's good to be back with you, EJ, and talking Yankee baseball. Yeah, unfortunately, the season's over. It, uh, you know, mercifully maybe over, but we got a lot to talk about still. And uh, I mean, a lot of anonymous sourcing slash not anonymous sourcing uh, kind of news. Yes. And so I'd love to hear what some of that is. I know you're going to do a Bronx Beat podcast later this week with Andy Singer, possibly with me if I can squeeze it into my schedule. Um, but yeah, you, you alluded in an email to some of this sourcing, some of these stories maybe by Joel Sherman and, and some other Yankee writers. 
So what, what's the big scoop that you have? Well, some of it's not anonymous. So some of it's from Aaron Judge. Uh, so Aaron Judge has been very outspoken over the last few weeks saying that um, he has some ideas about how to change. I would say kind of the, the on-field stuff. You know, Aaron Judge isn't going to go fix the farm system. Um, but he has some ideas about how to change how um, the, the types of data that are available to players. And, and if you kind of read between the lines, what he's basically saying is, the data that's been coming to players, he has learned to ignore almost all of it. All right, so let's, and, let's just start. Let's just start there, and then sure. then we'll keep going back and forth. Um, somebody's giving this information to the team. The manager is obviously part of that process. It is an analytics department that's filtering information to the manager, and now you're just saying that the biggest star on the team is ignoring most of that information. That that's um, there, there's a lot of different ways to look at that, but that's troubling, isn't it? I mean, look, Aaron Judge is doing something that almost no one else on the team is doing, which is hitting. And so, I, I think Aaron Judge probably is. You know, look, he, he's a physical marvel. He's he's a unique player in many ways, but um, I think he would know better than anybody what the problem is. You know, whether or not this is a manager or an organization wide thing. Yeah, the Yankees organization seems to be a little less, a little more decentralized than that. Um, any major league baseball team is going to need analytics, right? That's just how the game is played today and done right. You know, you can imagine it going very well. The, 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 the Astros use a tremendous amount of analytics in, 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 in how they play. The Dodgers use a tremendous amount of analytics. But um, what Aaron Judge is saying is I think we're doing it wrong. And... I, I I wouldn't be shocked if there's like an information overload problem. I wouldn't be shocked if um, some of the decisions are being made wrongly. So one thing we heard a lot this, this season is that the Yankees were being told to swing early. That some of the data suggested that the Yankees were getting a lot of strikes early in the count. And so the data basically said like, you know, when in doubt swing or when it's early and that just didn't work out. Right. That, that, that ended up with fewer walks, more strikeouts, not a lot more hard contact. The Yankees weren't really capitalizing. Um, I think Aaron judge is smart enough to realize that that's not really the right way to approach these problems. And um, you know, that's why he's one of the greatest stairs of all time. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I changed the analytics, how much better John Carl Stanton would look or how much better DJ LeMay would look or, you know, go down the list. I don't think that solves the Anthony Rizzo's concussion problem uh, or playing with a concussion problem. I don't think, it, I don't think it's going to solve a lot of the young guys who we can talk about who, who are almost universally disappointing. Um, but it might explain something, right? It might, it might add, some you know some success to the team right so so aaron judge has also come out in, in support of aaron boone I, I i take some of that with a grain of salt he's the manager you're the player it, it, it's very rare that you have a superstar player except if there's great dissension to say like yeah my manager stinks i hate playing for this guy i'm in support of him. of course he's gonna say he's in support of him he's the mm -hmm. manager you're not gonna say i'm like not in support of him but if the manager's giving too much information, if he's overloading the players with data, and I'm not against analytics, I think we use analytics in all aspects of our lives in many different ways. And, and sometimes you need deep 
numbers to help answer difficult questions. And sometimes the easy numbers are, the, are, are actually the answer. Like you don't need great analytics to understand that your um, car is gas tanks nearing empty. That the analytics there are, if I don't get gas, my car is not going to move and I'm going to be stuck. But they're not winning. They're not using good strategy. And the manager's obviously a proponent of all this. Isn't this an indictment somehow? And the, and the best player seems to say, I ignore it all. Isn't this like somehow an indictment of, of, I think he's a great manager, but I don't listen to a word he says. And, and whatever kind of baloney he's feeding us, I just think it's baloney. Does it, it, I mean, look, I think that, um, I think Aaron Judge is a leader and I think that he's trying to fix some of those problems. You know, there's a lot of problems that made the 2023 Yankees awful. There was an old and aging roster, which is not the manager's decision, right? He didn't build this roster. Brian Cashman did. Mm-hmm. There's the terrible player development of the Yankees over, over the long term and including the second half of the season. That's not Aaron Boone's fault. That's the fault of, I mean, Brian Cashman, but also the people underneath Brian Cashman. Um, there could be some individual coaching things that could be specific to the manager, could be front office related, whatever, right? There there are there there could be things that are going on there. Um, there could be bad luck, there could be injuries, you know, some of that stuff is also obviously playing off obviously plays a role. I, I think that Eric Cressy's department is going to become come under quite a bit of scrutiny. You know, Eric Cressy doesn't really work for the Yankees. Even though it's his department, he has his own business and his own practice. And I wonder if the Yankees need to hire someone who's going to devote 100% to them. I, I think those are all different questions. A- and I, I really just don't think that Aaron Boone's the person we should be focusing on. I think it should be Brian Cashman. Um, well, yeah. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it be both? I, I mean, because honestly, I think that the personnel decisions are more important than the other stuff. Right, the, the actual building of the roster, I think, is the cardinal sin of this 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 season, and um, I think that Brian Cashman deserves blame for that. A, a lot of teams fired their GMs this this month, or their coaches, or both. Um, the That's Mets, what I'm saying. Why can't the Mets didn't both? fire Billy Epler, but they brought in David Stearns to run the department. Right. Uh, the Padres are considering firing AJ Preller after some. I don't know if you saw some of those stories. Crazy stories about just like random rugby people that he brought in to like. Be in your, I don't know, weird stuff for AJ Preller. The White Sox fired their GM, um, and I don't think they fired their coach, but they might still. Uh, the Mets aren't bringing back Buck Showalter. The Red Sox fired their GM. That's normal. That's what you do when your team disappoints. And, and, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. why, why, why are the Yankees so reluctant to move on from Brian Cashman? Yeah. And um, I'll take a step back. I think Buck Showalter. And I know a lot of people disagree with me. I think Buck was a terrific manager. And I think there was a period of time when he was probably the smartest baseball guy around. Like, if not the smartest one of them, he was head and shoulders above a lot of people. He built the Diamondbacks from scratch and they won 100 games the next year after their inaugural season. He did a lot of great things. He had Maybe a great made... Orioles team for a very long time. Yeah. And he, he brought the Rangers to respectability. He helped bring the Yankees out of the doldrums. Um, maybe he wasn't a great in-game manager in the big spot because he made some big bad decisions and playoff games and things like that. But my, my point isn't to praise Buck Showalter. My point is to say that I think there was a point in time when 
most people involved with baseball would have said, yeah, he's on a, he's in the short list. He's in the handful of the best minds of baseball. I don't think people are saying that now he's whatever age he is, 67, whatever he is now. It's, it's not a crime to say the game has passed you by. It's not a crime to say that so-and-so was really great at his job or her job, but that was 10 years ago. Mary was a great teacher, but she's not a great teacher anymore. Hank was a great principal. He's not a great principal anymore. Billy was the best salesman. Hasn't been the best salesman in a number of years. Paul McCartney was the greatest songwriter. Hasn't really written great songs in a couple of decades. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. So why can't the Yankees say Brian Cashman was a good GM, but he, the game's passed him by? I mean, look, I, I I think David Stearns was the logical guy to to try to hire. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think that everything that Brian Cashman's done deserves to be fired. He deserves to be fired for the season. And and I honestly think that the last five or six seasons, he has not done a great job. I agree. Um, I think it just was really bad these last two. Um, but Brian Cashman still has, you know, 30 years of winning. He still has, he still, he, he was the see this, this season as bad as it was, could have been worse. He could be the Padres who have a awful roster that they're stuck with for a long time and lost many more games than the Yankees did this season. Um, he could be the Mets who spent an extra $150 million or whatever over, over what the Yankees did this season and were a below 500 team. He could be the Rangers who made some just very, very bad decisions like Jacob DeGrand's contract. So I, I don't think, I don't think it's an easy case to say, Hey, how Steinbrenner, you really like and trust this guy. He deserves to be fired for 2023. I still think it's the right decision. But I, I don't. I think it's one where reasonable people could still disagree. I think another season like this, and it's bad. Um, I, I, I want to build. I'm going to be building my case against Brian Cashman over time. And I think the ultimate sin that is causing a lot of the problems that Brian Cashman has is the lack of player development, and, and everything else is really just an offshoot of that. That if the Yankees can't develop good major league baseball hitters. This will not be a championship ball club ever. And one of the problems we talked about this season was this problem of not promoting players, but guess what? He did it. And they were all, they all flopped. Every single young player was somewhere between awful and not very good. So let me ask you, are you including Anthony Volpe? In that? I, I, I would put him in the not very good, at least as a hitter. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think my Anthony Volpe is a major league player. I'm a little confused by some of these rumors I've seen of him being moved to second base because I mean, I think the case for him being a major league player is that he's a good defensive shortstop who isn't a good hitter right now. And there's a question of, will he be a good hitter? Right. Will he improve? Um, there was a point during the season around September 1st where his numbers were starting to look pretty good and his post chicken parm numbers were great. And you start asking, okay, do we actually have, not only a major league player, but a major league player that can be one of the two or three pieces uh, of a championship team. Do we have our Bregman? Do we have our Lindor? Do we have our, you know, pick your middle infielder? Um, and then he, he, he fell hard in September. He did an absolutely awful September, went into a deep slump, never got out of it. And his final season numbers are pretty bad. They're pretty bad. 
I don't know if it if it's if it's smart to expect improvement because I think that Volpe's approach, just like all of the other young players they they called out, is a fundamentally flawed approach about how to hit baseball. Um, it's it's again aiming for relatively small numbers of hard hit balls and then kind of surrendering the rest of your at-bats. It's a high strikeout approach. It's a relatively low walk approach. And it's just not going to succeed. And, and I think Austin Wells showed the exact same thing. I think Oswaldo Cabrera showed the exact same thing. Peraza didn't show as much power in the major leagues, uh, but also didn't show much of anything else either way. And this is exactly the problem that kind of the med- mid-season comments and people like Ben Ruda identified. That you have an approach which focuses on hitting the ball hard over contact, over other types of, of hitting. Not because hitting the ball hard is inherently a bad thing, but if you're sacrificing things to hit the ball hard, there's good reason to believe that that approach won't translate from the minors to the majors. And I think that's what we saw with you know, the, the five or six players the Yankees called up. Um, you know, when you think about calling up prospects, you would expect a lot of them not to work out, right? You expect, you call up six guys, you know, two will be really good, two will be just okay, and two will flop or something like that. They called up six guys and six flopped. That's not random. That's not bad luck. That's that's a bad approach. That, that means that there's something wrong. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of the guys they called up are hopeless long-term. They all look like talented major league baseball players, like as in terms of athlete, athleticism, they can all play defense. They all seem like good people, hard workers, etc. You know, I don't think we're, they're going to be, you know, maybe we're going to do a Domingo Herman in the clubhouse. Like that doesn't seem like this group of players, but they all have like the exact same batting line. It, it's, it's a lot of power or relative, relatively high isolated power with a teeny tiny batting average and a low and a, and a sub 280 on base or whatever, right? I mean, it, it's very, very bad. Yeah, you look at Anthony Volpe and he batted, and, and I know, and, and, and listen, the first question you ever asked me um, when I said, hey, can I write for It's About the Money? And you said, are you a Luddite? who only looks at batting average and things like that? Or do you understand that there's different? I don't believe I said it in those words, but okay. I think you did. I think you asked me if I was a statistical Luddite (laughs) or something like that. But, you know, like, so, so I understand the idea of just looking at batting average, but I think batting average tells you something. It doesn't tell you nothing. And he hit only 216 in the first half. And you'd think that at some point, like the whole thing, oh, the chicken parm dinner, he put it all together. He had only 200 in the second half. In the last month of the year, he batted 163. And if you want to then go, let's look at, you know, better um, um, statistics, like things that matter more. All right, let's look at, um, oh, I'm on the wrong screen. Let's look at his OPS plus. 100 is an average OPS plus. That's an average big leaguer. He wasn't just slightly below average. His OPS plus was 81. That's dreadful. No. Oh, it's awful. And again, Ben Wordfett, same, same exact thing. He didn't even really have any power to speak of. Austin Wells, you know, he actually hit for a little bit of power toward the end of the season, but he still had like a 260 on base. Um, and and these are all low batting average on, you know, low batting average, low walk combinations. Jake Bowers did the exact same thing. Oswaldo Cabrera did the exact same thing. I mean, we, we could go on, right? And Billy McKinney, Josh Donaldson, 
Giancarlo Stanton. And so you're mentioning young guys, old guys, young prospects, middle-aged prospects. Um, You're running the gamut, right? Oh, yeah. Organizationally. It's all the hitters. It is. uh, Except maybe Judge. It's basically the entire organization other than Judge and Torres and maybe Rizzo. And you can imagine players from, you know, or like Isaiah Kiner for Lefo who just doesn't hit much at all anywhere. Um, But it's Higashioka. It's, um, I mean, I already mentioned Donaldson. It's, it's the type of hitter the organization values. And the Major League Baseball is telling them by striking them out all the time that it doesn't work. It might work in the minors. And, and, I, and I, again, this is what I want to investigate when I want to, you know, when I have some time this offseason, really dig deep into. Like, are the Yankees having a harsher drop-off as you hit the high minors and majors than other top prospects. I think they might be. And I think there's good reason to believe that there's enough not that great pitchers in the minors minors that you can cheat a little bit. And you can develop an approach that works against the bad pitcher uh, pitchers, but there's enough uh, an approach that works against the bad pitchers, and there's not enough good pitchers to um to, to invalidate it, to, to make it your numbers on the whole look bad. Um, and one of the reasons why you might not teach a low minors player to max their exit velocity is because, you know, you th- know that that cheat swing, it doesn't work in the majors when people have a good breaking ball um, or people have control that they're not going to throw you a meatball often enough or whatever. And, what the thing about this is it just matches the story we've been hearing about the Yankee farm system. I don't know how you undo it. Like I, there's been a, the Yankees had a decent number of breakout prospects in 2023 guys who really had it pretty, you know, pretty strong seasons. And I don't believe any of them are any good. Right. I, I, I don't, at this point, I don't know. I don't know how to look at Ben Rice's numbers or Augustin Ramirez's numbers or even Jason Dominguez, right? I'm skeptical of Dominguez. Dominguez seems like he has a different approach than a lot of these guys. He's got the short swing thing down. Um, he had a low strikeout rate in the minors. Like I, I, I would not be shocked if Jason Dominguez is successful once he comes back from his Tommy John. Um, but all these other guys, I, I just don't know what to make of them. And and I, I think that the first discussion, you know, this audit is coming in starting today or something for the Yankees. Um, I think the first discussion the audit has to have is why are you so bad at developing hitters? You figured out pitchers, right? The Yankees are still good at developing pitchers. And I still have faith in that, but their, their record for hitters is, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast is so thin and it really requires Aaron judge to not look worse in the league. And, and you wonder, was Aaron judge just luck? Right? Did they just happen to 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 fall into a generational player who could teach himself, who could, you know, overcome the problems of the Yankee system, and also be six eight and two hundred eighty pounds, and you know, like and, and have physical qualities that 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 others don't? And if Aaron Judge doesn't show up in twenty seventeen, are we talking about a team that? doesn't make the playoffs in 17, doesn't make the playoffs in 18, doesn't make the playoffs in 19, right? Like, are, are we talking about um, Brian Cashman going through a real extended slump? And I think we are. 
right? I, I think that the Yankees have such a thin record on developing hit, developing hitters that it requires them to go out and get a Donaldson and a Hicks, you know, and, and these types of players and over and rely on them, even though they know that that's not going to work out well. Um, look at the opening day roster for 2023. There were some bad players on that roster. And we said um, it before the season. We knew, I you know, know, we were talking, we, we just assumed that a move was coming and it never came. I, in, 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 I've, I've gone over this before, but in November, I was saying the Yankees need a left fielder. And then people would comment on the blog and they'd say, it's November. It's not even Christmas. So then in December, I'd be like, the Yankees need a left fielder. Like, it's not even New Year's. Then January, come and say, the Yankees got to get a left fielder. Like, the spring training hasn't come yet. Spring training started. They have all spring training. That spring training ended. They have the tread lot, trade, the trade deadline. They never got a left fielder. Then it became, well, they just wanted to see how the young kids were going to produce. No, that that's not what they wanted to do. It was no, they, it was like they, pulling they, teeth to get them called up. Correct. It was, it was a it was a flawed approach. And this is we also said this: like, if you're gonna invest, if you're gonna spend big on Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon and Aaron Judge, you have to surround them with other quality players because they're not going to win on their own. And if you're not going to do that, you're just spending a ton of money on great players and they're not going to win. You're wasting. You shouldn't even get the great players then because what's approving? You're, 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 you're spending great money and putting them in a position where they can't be on a winner. So so why are you paying them? What? Why did you bring them in if you're not going to surround them with other great players? And the Yankees this year said, we're just not going to address left field. We have all these guys who are quadruple A players who are on and off the scrap heap from various organizations, and we're going to see if any of them stick, and none of them did. And they didn't have to go and get a, an all-star, right? They just had to get a, a, an average player, and, and that would have made a lot of difference earlier in the season. I think about like a Michael Conforto, who we talked about as being available, who signed a very reasonable contract. Um, and there's other players that we could also point to that that are in there. Again, I don't think you need to get Mookie Betts to solve this problem. And they just didn't. And, and they just assumed that they would find someone from from you know some you know minor league signing or or, or minor league free agent. Uh, there was I was I've been looking around for quotes, and I think it was in the Sherman article. There was an anonymous quote from somebody in the Yankee front office. And basically what he said was, we need to get back to finding the Gio Urshelas of the world. And to me, that is the wrong message to take from this. That is not a reliable strategy. Maybe you can pull it off every once in a while, right? They did it with Trevino recently. They did it with Urshela. They, 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 you know, you can, you did it with Voight. You know, those strategies, I, I, I mean, you, you don't like it as much as I do, but I, I, think, I think there's a world where that was successful for the Yankees. However... I think there's good reason to believe that that is a market inefficiency that no longer is there. Mm -hmm. I don't think teams were looking by idly and saying like, well, I guess there must be some geoercialism in the minors. No, I think what happened was the Yankees saw exit velocity readings from these guys at AAA and said, let's call them up. And now that inefficiency has sealed. And I see no evidence that they have the ability to reinvent that wheel again, nor that they should. It's not a substitute for bringing up a 22, 23 year old guy from who's the minors. Good. Who's good. Um, it's not like you look around the majors at rookies and it is not uncommon for a rookie to be an above average hitter. As soon as they get called up, it happens all the time. There are dozens of them yearly. Um, there are dozens of guys who get called up and, 
are merely average or are better, even below average, but better than any of the guys we talked about here. It is quite extraordinary to for a hitter to be in the majors the full season and hit as bad as Anthony Volpe did this year. There are very few rookies that were that bad this year. It helps that he's a good defensive shortstop. It helps that they can run. You know, Volpe was a legitimate two-war player this year because he was good at those things. But that's not hitting, right? The Yankees might be able to teach defense. They might be able to teach base running. They might be able to teach being good with the media and having good makeup and working out and good whatever, right? I, I actually believe the Yankees can do that because they are they clearly are bringing up young people who are professionals. And I respect that a lot of ways. I mean, you could go look at the Padres. You could go look at the a lot of very dysfunctional clubhouses and the, the White Sox this year. And that is not something to be taken for granted. Granted. But it's less important than being able to hit the ball. And and they've not figured out a way to teach that. And indeed, I think they've run, they've they've leaned into the wrong theory of how to teach people to hit the ball. I think Dylan Lawson has been a disaster for this organization. And that's not something I would have said a year ago. A year ago, I was saying, don't trade Volpe. Don't trade Praza. I wish they'd trade Volpe and Praza. Because I'm not convinced at this point that they will be reliable major league hitters, even if you had to trade them for an older guy who might not have has have as many years left in in them. I think now the emperor has no clothes, and they're not they're not getting rid of these guys. I, I don't think other teams are going to take them off their hands. We could talk about the individual players. Some of them might have a future in the majors, but I, I think they need to be a major. They need there needs to be a major coaching overhaul. And so, I, so let's just take it. a step back because I think what you're saying is what I was saying before. This all stems, it has to, from the general manager and an organizational philosophy that's been promoted throughout the organization by the general manager. And if there was a period of time where there was an organizational a, a, a deficiency across baseball where he could find these diamonds in the rough, well, that's great, but that doesn't exist anymore. See, what I see in Brian Cashman is I see a guy who had success, who's trying to find that old success that he used to have that he doesn't have anymore, and he has nothing left to go to the playbook. I, and and, here's and, the thing, I think his success was the core four, and he was good at supplementing them. And right? he wasn't the guy who brought up the core four. That well, wasn't sure. him. Uh, but I mean, that, to me, the, the core four coming up is a – you know, it's a once in a lifetime event. Correct. And, so and, and Cashman was very successful at building teams around Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams. As soon as they go away, you know, you have Posada retiring in 010, 10, I think, 09. You have, uh, you know, Jeter kind of trailing off after 2012, Rivera 2013, Pettit leaving and then coming back and retiring, I believe, in 2013. As soon as those players go away, Brian Cashman has not been able to bring up a new core of players. He got Cano, he brought Cano, which was a big one. But besides that, was like 2005. That, right. And then nothing for 12 years. And then you have Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres. Not enough of a core. And again, I, I think that Torres, you can't give him a lot of credit for right, other than the making the trade. Yes. And then Judge is, is this, I think, this very unique circumstance. And Sanchez was a mixed result. Um, but if you ignore the fact that he was, he started his tenure as a GM with the core four, I don't think there's any evidence that he has ever been able to develop hitters. Um, and for a while he couldn't do pitchers. I think he figured out pitchers. I, 
I also don't haven't seen any evidence that he recognizes the problem. This, that's I've my never, point. Right? I have never seen a public quote from anybody in the Yankee organization saying we suck at developing hitters. Right. And to me, that is the first step. And I, I sure hope that's the role of these auditors to identify problems. They're not going to give huge solutions. You couldn't do that. That's not really the, the role that we have here. But if the problem is, is like, guys, do you realize that this is your problem? Like, like this, this is the, the, this is the thing that you need to like sound the alarm on. We are bad at hitters. Go pay $5 million to the best guy in the majors at doing this and hire him for your team. Like, I don't understand why this is not a problem they're, they're trying to solve with money. Um, and yeah. and again, we've talked about this a number of weeks ago, but isn't it by definition an indictment of the decision makers that they can't recognize the problem? It, it, I don't have I, I don't necessarily on one level have a problem bringing in the auditors. If at the same time, the guys who they're auditing were fired. I, I can just imagine if, like, you bring in Brian Cashman to the office. Brian, what's the matter? I don't know. I have no clue. I think the process is great. We don't we don't understand what we're wrong. That's when you say, okay, you're fired. Then you bring in the auditors because you know, we don't have anybody else to hire. So it's it weird that we have affirmed Sean Casey and Aaron Boone before the audit has been conducted. <laughs> now, they could obviously go back on that, and it's not right. But, like, if the problem is small, you imagine an auditor coming in and saying, you know, uh, you know, did you give this type of report, not this type of report or whatever. Right. But the problem is not small. And, and I think that the acknowledgement that there is a serious problem has to be the first step. Um, you know, I think there are some things the Yankees have just gone unlucky on. I think they've gone unlucky on Giancarlo Stanton, but I also don't see any evidence that they observe a problem with Giancarlo Stanton that they have said, you know, we need to have a five alarm, five alarm fire on John Carlos Stan. We got to fix a swing. That that doesn't appear to be a thing. They're just going to be like, well, he'll figure it out. Um, you know, there's an interesting er- interview with Aaron Boone um, on on the John Boy podcast, and they were asking about basically some coaching stuff. Um, I think it was Oswald Peraza had commented that when he came to the majors, some coaches encouraged him to change his swing, and that wasn't successful. And he went back to his old swing, and that was more successful. And Aaron Boone was asked about that, and he's like, dude, that's just what it's like to be a big leaguer. You come up, people tell you a million things and you learn as a person what advice to accept and what advice to reject. Um, I wonder if that's true. That really feels like an organizational attitude right now that it's a very laissez-faire attitude, right? Let the players make these decisions. Let Anthony Rizzo decide if he's okay to play. And I really don't know if other organizations do it that way. It sure doesn't seem like it. I don't hear these like, stories coming yeah. out of other orgs. That's, that's, it just doesn't, I don't, I've never, you know, maybe I've just have never paid attention, but I've never mm-hmm. heard of an organization saying we can't figure it out ourselves. We don't have any idea. We're going to bring in outside people. I mean, the even, Astros, the Astros did it. Did right? they so, do it? So th- th- this was, this has been done before. And right. I think that McKinsey has actually done several other organizations, just a little more low profile. And did so that, the Astros fire their GM as part of yeah, that process? Yeah, yes. Um, oh, okay. So, so GM, do you have the answer? Don't have the answer. Okay. We're it, was one the, the auditor. I believe it was one of the first things that Jim Crane did with the Astros. Um, so like there, there, there is some precedent for this, but you know, you don't, I wonder how much the owner cares about the results of this audit. Is it him just trying to say, Hey, we're doing something. Um, I don't know. 
And, you know, this is a guy who gave Brian Cashman a long-term extension last year. Well, I don't think he deserved it last year. Gave Aaron Boone a short-term extension. Um, Sean Casey has been given a short-term extension. I just don't, I, I, I still have not seen anybody acknowledge that this was a disaster of a season. I think that they think that they got unlucky with some injuries, uh, that they had some young players not really pan out and maybe their roster is getting a little old, but there's not a lot they can do about that. And to me, that is a losing attitude. Um, this is a team that continued to play John Carlos Stan high in the line at the entire year. John Carlos Stan is not a major league player right now. He is a below replacement level player. And he is a well below average hitter, let alone the fact that he can't play defense. He can't do, he can't base run. You could literally pick a random, talk about finding minor league free agents. You could pick a random veteran out of AAA. He would have been a better DH than John Carlos Stan. And maybe it would have contributed to the team in other ways. Um, it's not hard to find someone who's better than that. Um, you know, we talk about Rizzo. We talk about Isaiah kind of for Leffa, who was awful and received a ton of that bats this year, like Marwin Gonzalez did the year before, like other Yankees have always kind of done. You think about catcher. We have been desperate for a catcher. And Kyle Higashioka has felt like a breath of fresh air, but look at his stats. He's terrible. He's not good. He is at best a backup catcher on an average team. And he's going to be like 35. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think he, I think he's done. And, and I do you know, too. I, and I'm going to miss him. And I like, I like Higashioka as a person and of course. I'm going to miss him. But like, I, I, I think that the, the Yankees have gotten so used to mediocrity that they're not even trying to put together a competitive roster. They're trying to rest, to, to rest on Aaron judge and Garrett Cole and their bullpen. And I think this year they thought that their pitching staff was going to carry them and pitching staffs are get injured. That's what happens. Right. Um, and so let's go back to John Carlos Stan because I think you know these numbers, but just for the audience, hmm. his war was negative 0.8. So you look at his war, he was a negative player. Oh, all right. That's because he has bad offense, bad defense, and he can't run. Okay. His, he's a hitter. His OPS plus was 87. Basically, Anthony Volpe levels, right? And again, an average. This guy's yep. supposed to be a superstar. He's batting fourth all year long, you know, or third or second or whatever. But at the top of the lineup, 87. He batted 191 after hitting 211 the year before. There's no way if the Yankees are serious about winning that they can build the 2024 team and have John Carlos Stanton be part of that club. It, it's You just have to say we're paying him whether or not he's going to play. Let's pay him to not play. Hope maybe another team can pick him up and resurrect his career. But he can't. there's not a world where this guy's going to help you win games at this point. I, I, look, if I, if I had um... – if I was a beat writer at those last end of season press conferences, I would have asked two questions to both Cashman and Boone. Did the they have a conference? Cause I've been a, away. Uh, I believe they have. Yes. Or at least okay. I've seen, um, uh, they, they had, they had, um, they had stuff after the last game on Sunday. So I'm sure they'll have a press conference. So if you're listening, beat writers, here's my recommendation. Number one, why did John Carlos Stan continue to bat fourth and fifth throughout the entire season? Right. Everybody could see it. His stats could show it. His stat-cast stats could show it. Giancarlo Stan was one of the worst hitters on this team last year. So why did he continue to bat where he did? Question number two. Have they considered a coaching solution to Giancarlo Stan? 
That is, are they considering a wholesale reworking of his, his swing? I think the answer to number one is that they assumed all season that he's John Carl Stan. He'll figure it out, right? The turnaround is just around the corner. I think the answer to question number two is laissez-faire. Well, you know, I'm sure John Carl Stanton cares about winning. He's going to go and figure it out. And to me, both of those are the wrong answer, right? If John Carl Stanton went on a hot streak and all of a sudden looked like his old self, move him up in the order. That's fine, right? Or play him half as much as he was playing. They didn't do any of that. And I I, I think it is, it, it's a sign of a poorly managed team. I, I don't, again, I, I, I'm willing to give teams some leeway for bad luck. Like luck is just a fact of matter of the game, but I'm not willing to give them leeway for just making a dumb decision day after day after day. I mean, I mean, I think the car, I think the biggest sin of the season was Rizzo. And well, I think that's out that, with that's still and I don't understand why we're not talking about firing Brian Cashman because of Anthony Rizzo it, and it, Aaron it, Boone. I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think this is ultimately this is all ultimately Brian Cashman's fault. Sure, right? Rizzo uh, Boone might be the you know the vessel through which Brian Cashman screwed up, but I, I, I don't see how an organization cannot fix that problem. Where they said after a week or two something is wrong, let's get him reevaluated. And I think it's a cultural problem in the organization. They see themselves as professionals. They value professionalism. And so they value or they they make the decision to give baseball players independence. And to me, that's the cardinal sin of this season. The second problem, that's that's the major league level, is almost the opposite, that they just have no ability to develop talent among minor league ball players. I'm not even saying star players. Like I think maybe Jason Dominguez is a star player. I don't need star players right now. I need okay players. I need Lars Newtbar. Right, I need um, you know uh, uh, Tristan Cassis with the Red Sox. Whatever players who you're not going to remember in 15 years, who aren't going to make a Hall of Fame ballot, but are the backbone of most teams. Most teams have six or seven of those players. Go pick a last place team. They had four or five better p- hitters probably on this team than the, the than than the third best Yankee hitter. I know the third best Yankee hitter was Jake Bowers. Right, they probably had three or four players better than Jake Bowers on their team on a last place team. Now go look at a winning team. A winning team has an entire nine you know, nine uh, hitter roster of above average hitters. Maybe they have like a catcher or something who's not right, but they they have a long list of players who are good enough. Right, they are fine, and maybe they have a couple of star players on top of that. The Yankees have a couple of star players. Their names are Garrett Cole. Imagine years ago just begging for uh, an A starter. You have a Cy Young Award winner in your worst season ever. Worst season in my lifetime, at least. Or at least in, in, in 30, 31 years. Um, you have the Cy Young Award winner. You have Aaron Judge, who hit 40, almost 40 home runs in 100 games. You have a solid Glaber Torres. And yet you still have this awful season. You have one of the best bullpens in the majors. And yet you still have this awful, awful season. I just I um I I don't understand the complacency. And maybe it's because they're still selling tickets. Maybe it's because the owners checked out. Maybe it's because they have, you know, Cashman has built up enough trust over the years that he has a little bit more a, a little bit more runway. Um 
but I, I, if I were the owner, I would be a lot more concerned than, than what I observe. Top Yankees by OPS. They had two guys who were better than league average. It's awful. Judge 175 OPS plus is what I'm talking about. Glaber Torres 118 DJ 96 Rizzo who missed half a year. 94 Stanton 87 Volpe 81 Kiner Falefa 78 Oswaldo Cabrera 58. I I just clicked on a random team. Last place team, the Washington nationals, the 2023 Washington nationals. They won 71 games because they had, very, very bad pitching on top of this. They had two players above 100, Heimer Candelario, who they traded, and Lane Thomas. And then they had five players above 90, so close to average. Again, this is one of the worst teams in the league. Yankees had two. The Yankees would have killed for Kiebert Ruiz, who had a 717 OPS this year. They would have killed for Joey Menendez, who was a designated hitter with a 99 OPS+. plus. Right, it, it um, Yankees had a, two players who were eight hundred or better in OPS. Two, it's, um, it's not their ballpark, it's not their division, it, it's just bad coaching, player development, roster management. It's an all of the above problem, and so, and they can't recognize it. So they bring yeah. in an outside company. What what's what's the company? I, I I'm just I, I'm, I'm assuming I, I, they haven't actually said, but I'm assuming it's McKinsey or one of these big consulting firms. Um McKinsey is who came in for the Astros and I think a few other teams. Um I, I mean I, I I I think that in any other organization the GM gets fired for the season. Again, look at look at um what is his name? Chaim or Chom, whatever Ooh, his name is. Yeah. yeah. At, for the Red Sox. The Red Sox did not have a disaster of a season in terms of expectations. They were not expected to be very good and they weren't very good. Um, and they brought up some rookies and they had some successful debuts. And they he still got fired. Um, you know, you look at the look at the Mets, right? The Mets, they just brought in a new boss for Billy Eplin. This is what happened. This is it is normal to fire executives who are bad. Because because the point, so people say, um, well, you know, it's harder to win the World Series nowadays. Harder to reach the World Series. All right, I get all that. It, to me, it's it, it, it's been fourteen years. I mean, it's it's not like they they're making it often and failing. They're not even making. It. I haven't made a World Series in fourteen years. They've only been the best team in the league really once during that time. Correct. Um, at some point, you have to say it's not working, and it's okay to say we're going to move on. We have to move on. You, your ideas were great in 2009. You went out and you got Sabathia. You went out and you got uh, 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 Nick, uh, 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 what's his name, Swisher. You got Mark Teixeira. You got A.J. Burnett. Those guys complimented A-Rod and Matsui and Jeter, and Cano. I mean, yeah, so you built a superstar team and you won the World Series. That's great. Besides that, the time you won before that was 2000. It's not working. 24 years or so now. They've won World Series. I don't understand why they can't say, yeah, what we're doing isn't working. We're spending good money after bad money trying to build something on a foundation that's sinking in sand. 
and and for the general manager to keep his job through this entire period. Now, listen, I would give Brian Cashman a monument in Central in Monument Park. I'd congratulate him on a great career. But again, it's no crime to say, you know what, bud, the game has passed you by. And when when it gets talked about on uh, talk radio, I, and which I don't listen to a lot, but Michael K. When it comes up, I hear him saying, you know, don't be, don't kid yourself. The minute. The Yankees fire Brian Cashman. Another team will pick him up. Well, good for them. Great. I hope Brian Cashman goes and wins a 50,000 World Series for another team. He hasn't worked for the Yankees. So what do I care where he goes? I mean, look, there are bad GMs out there. And there you could imagine the Yankees hiring a bad GM, but that shouldn't be the expectation. There are good GMs out there. There are great yes. GMs out there. Again, David Stearns was my pick, and he could have been the Yankees GM. Um, they decided not to do that, and... I think it's a mistake. I think um, I, I they're still selling tickets, and, and to me, that's the that's the bottom line here. I, I think the Yankees would need to bottom out much harder than they did this season. I I'm glad that their 500 streak is continues because I think it's interesting and and fun. I don't, but I kind of wish the Yankees had won 70 games this year. I I 100 percent agree because it's been a moving goalpost. The purpose of every major league team, this is what I was saying before, and I got distracted. I, I lost my train of thought. Has to be, has to be to win the World Series. That should be the goal. Now, you might be the Oakland A's and you just can't do it because you have no resources. Okay. You might be some other teams, uh, the Kansas City Royals, who can only do it once every 10 years or whatever when, when the stars align. But especially if you're the Yankees and you're a big market team, that has to be the goal. And then people say, well, that shouldn't be the goal. That's too rotten result. No, no, that should be the goal of every team. It should be the goal of the Jets, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Knicks, whoever. Every team should be shooting for that. You can't then say, well, our goal was we're not looking at that anymore. Now we just want to have the playoffs. We just want to reach the playoffs. Then it becomes, no, no, no. As long as we keep our better than 500 record. that That's not the gold standard. And, and it was almost better if they didn't get over 500 so they could say oh really I, mean, did I, I think i think it'd be i think it would be better in that and that i think what i'm saying is i think it would cause it would catalyze it would, it would cause people to think there's a bigger problem the Yankees, would recognize the problem yeah. there is they, they actually played you know in terms of winning games not that bad in the last month and a half even though the young guys were very 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 bad uh, between aaron judge and torres lemay who some of the pitching you know garrett cole being incredible it's a team that won one had played its best baseball of the season uh, or at least since May in the last month. But if they hadn't, I think then Brian Cashman gets fired and, and Aaron Boo gets fired and, and someone wait, you know, there's enough booing in Yankee stadium that um, it kind of forces the hand of, of, of how Steinbrenner. That's what I mean. Now I still watch individual baseball games. And every game I want to want, I want the Yankees to win. And and I think that um, I, I do think that there is value in just winning one game at a time during the regular season. And, and, and I think, I think there's value in the team, not bottoming out. It's a lot more fun to watch an 83 win team than it is to watch a 65 win team. And most major league baseball teams bottom out and are 65 win teams for a little bit. And I appreciate that. I've never had to watch that kind of in, in the lifetime that I remember. You remember the late eighties Yankees. And I'm sure those are depressing as hell teams to watch. Um, but 
I think what your bigger point is, is that maybe that price has to be paid in order for a team to be successful. I think the Yankees have deep, deeper problems that I don't think a few like high draft picks or whatever are going to, going to solve it for them. No, and I, I think, think that just, this, I think it needs to be recognized yeah. that they're built a foundation on sand and it's sinking. Well, I think, I don't think they were trying not to like, I don't think that they were just trying to win 90 games and, and whatever. Like I think they were trying to win the world series and just doing it badly. And, right. and, and some of it was bad luck. I think like the trade deadline last year was a disaster, but some of it wasn't their fault. Like Andrew Benintendi breaks his hand at the wrong time. Frankie Montas family has a shoulder injury. You know, right, but I think they knew about it. And I think there was a quote, yeah. Brian Cashman said, I knew there was some concerns there and you got Harrison Bader. I know a lot of people love him. He was injured for a month. I, made no sense. I, I think, I think that they're, 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 the, the, the moves they made are, I think are defensible or at least there's an argument that they are defensible. But I think that they they had to make short-term moves to solve the long-term problem, which I think is still player development. I think they're currently trying to make short-term moves to adjust for John Carlos Stanton getting old much quicker than he was supposed to. Which is a shame. It's a shame. And it, and it, look, and again, you know, we've said this show a million times. We were both fans of that move when it was made. Absolutely. 100%. But, but you have to adjust to new information and, and you have to understand sunk costs and you have to understand that you are not doing the team any good by playing a player suffering post-concussion syndromes. You're not doing the team any good by playing an old broken John Carlos Stanton. Um, you know, we can go down the list of players here uh, of that. I think the Yankees were doing too much, you know, playing IKF in center field, whatever. Um, and, and I, and I think that that attitude, it seems like it's still there. Again, I don't think it's a problem with them not trying to win the world series. I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and they get Yamamoto and they get, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger or whatever. And, and they give this a try. I just don't think that's a success, successful strategy. Cause I don't think you, there's enough money in the world to build a 26 man roster with free agents. And you're, I, and I don't think it's a successful strategy to try to substitute developing young players with Georgias. So at the end of the day, until that is recognized, I, I think that this team is heading for a crash. I mean, again, they were 83 win games this year. They won 83 games this year with Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young. Right? Imagine if Garrett Cole was 2022's Garrett Cole with a 3.5 ERA. Um, imagine what happens when Garrett Cole is 38 years old and is play, pitching like, you know, Justin Verlander did this year or whatever. Right. You know, that that's going to be problematic if they don't develop young players. And, you know, I, I'm kind of split on whether or not I want the Yankees going to buying spree this season. On one hand, look, I think I can imagine a world where they're very competitive next year, judge and Rizzo and Torres and a really strong pitching staff and a really strong bullpen. Um, but I don't imagine a world where Anthony Volpe and Austin Wells and Oswald Peraza are all contributors. Um, maybe we get lucky and one of them like goes and fixes his stuff this, this off season. Maybe Dominguez comes back after his Tommy John and he's, he's really good. Um, you know, you could imagine getting a little bit lucky there, but not lucky on a whole bunch of plays. You need a bunch of those guys mm-hmm. for this to work out and you still need a left fielder and you still need a center fielder for the first half of next season. And, and I'm just not sure that the Yankees have – I'm not sure the free agents exist right now for the Yankees to go out and fix these problems. So maybe it's a rebuild season. I, I don't know. 
if I had one prior, like I wouldn't be shocked if Brian Cashman behind the scenes is going, you know, my bad, right? Hal, I'm sorry. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fire a bunch of people. And, and there we go. Um, and I hope he does, right? I, I hope that we hear about, you know, 10 guys in the Yankee front office that are fired, but Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are sticking around. I'm okay with that. That's signaling that there's a problem. If we come out of this audit and the answer is they fire the one director of analytics guy or, yeah. or they fire their double A coach or whatever, right? To me, that is, that's a sign that they, they are not taking the problem seriously and that we're in for more of the same next year. I believe that 2024 at this point looks grim. But EJ, what doesn't look grim is the fact that we just spent another great hour talking about Yankees baseball. You're awesome. Thank you for being part of the Start Spreading the News podcast. We'll be back again next Monday night at 9. In the meantime, be on the lookout for the Bronx Beat podcast. We're doing one more episode before taking a break. Yes. So... For the Northeast Streaming Sports Network, this is Paul Semendinger signing off on the Start Spreading the News show.